everyone. Today we're discussing browsers, your windows to the world wide web. What do you use? Customize the problems you've stumbled upon. How we're using those browsers and the Unix word, the most used browsers, why we use those, and all the problems we've encountered. I'm Venom, and you're listening to the Nixers Podcast. Different browsers run on different engines. Consequently, more or less, by asking what's your favorite browser, you're also asking what's your favorite engine. Let's visit some of the responses we've got from the Nixers.net members. What are the browsers or engine that integrates the best with their workflow, the ones they use the most, and why? The first responses were some funny trolls. Uh, hello. Hello. I uh, actually turn on my virtual machine so I can use Internet Explorer 1. I'm an IE lover. So to say, it's the best browser ever. I like all the security holes. The lack of HTML5 is just amazing. I imagine. It's a whole one kilobyte of RAM. That sounds fantastic. Yeah, it's the best browser on the planet. Um, uh, WGET. That's my favorite web browser. That's not even a web browser. Come on, guys. We all know Mothra is the best browser ever. Thanks, Adam, for this Plan 9 interjection. After that, we had some serious answers. Most said that they used a stable version of Firefox. Though we didn't hear about the different releases, it would have been cool to get some tips and inputs about the developer versions nightly and why you would prefer those over the stable version. But I guess it'll get clearer as the podcast goes on why people use the stable version instead of those nightly or patch or developer versions. Let's name some reasons why people choose Firefox over the rest. Not my favorite, but uh, the one that makes sense. I stick with Firefox because of the add-ons and customization. I've used Firefox for a major portion of my life. Uh, I use Firefox sometimes. Other browsers were mentioned, such as Chromium which we'll talk a bit about later. Some stick with it, some don't. It's a huge uh, controversial browser. It has legions of fans and haters in the Unix world. So some use it for their job because they have a requirement to use it. They target specifically WebKit browsers for their website and they must see them on all platforms. Others use Chrome because also like Firefox, it works pretty well with everything. Let's name other browsers. Uh, 
DWB. Quote, it doesn't eat so much RAM and it just works. QB browser, it's based on QT WebKit. It has, quote, and quote, pretty good minimalist interface. However, the downside, the downside is that it has no add-ons. Xambrero, based on WebKit, it's fast and slick. Uzbel, it's also based on WebKit and also a minimalist browser. Qt browser, it's based on PyQt, quote unquote, it's very fast and lean. This guy likes the interface and the controls, but until you can do CSS override and line plugins, etc., it will not be my personal choice. Opera, quote, I've used Opera since the days you could open the binary in a hex editor to disable the ad support from memory that was 1996 or so. I've been sore to see it become a chromium skin and I'm still hanging on it out of a can, out of a kind of inertia. So that's sort of like the, the thing, or you stay with a browser because you've used it for a long time and it uh, has always worked on everything and kept up with all the updates and HTML5 and JavaScript stuff thingy going on these days. Or you sort of like try those minimalistic browsers and then you give up because they don't support those stuff or you or you just go on with them from time to time so uh, those minimalistic browsers have some sort of appeal but uh, you just don't use them because it doesn't display the page and they never actually made the the switch to them because otherwise you, you lag behind as far as workflow is concerned it's an unanimity Obviously, everyone uses Vimperator or something that resembles Vimperator. It's part of the Nixer's daily routine. The Vim love is scattered even in the browser's land. Vim-like binding rules them all. Even though we might have some Emacs lover, I don't know if there are some Emacs add-on for the browser the, or if Emacs itself is the browser. One of the members uses a custom binding in Vim to open web videos URL and MPV instead of having to open the browser to do so. Most Nixers keep their browsers open all the time. So when they start a session, they open the browser, they keep it on some workspace alone or side by side with a terminal in split screen mode or in tiling mode or just sloppy focus mode or overlay. But it's still a thing, everyone starts the browser and keep it on. We argued a bit about why we keep the browser open if we don't use it. Some do, some don't. For example, the ones that don't use a lightweight browser to open links posted on chats or IRC or anything, uh, which leads to the browser instantly popping up in front of them which is annoying, uh, or not annoying, depending if it's lightweight or not. For instance, if you use links.g, a very lightweight browser, a graphical sort of like uh, minimal browser, which can display images, it's 
it's a, a plus like if you don't have the browser open for anything you're working on and you want to open something in the browser you just fire up links-g then we emphasis that it was equally fast if the main browser is already open all the time and you want to open a link in it then it would be the same speed as links-g the only difference would be the RAM usage which we will discuss right away. After the last discussion, the typical minimalist talk on RAM usage ensue. Because keeping browsers open all the time, especially nowadays, destroy your RAM usage, your memory usage. So if you have a limited amount of RAM and are running low on resources, you might want to adopt the open links fast with lightweight browsers approach. But if you have 16 gigabyte of RAM, for example, then there is, end quote, no problems because, end quote, RAM usage isn't a problem. If you got it, use it. If you got them, use them. Interestingly enough, one users with plenty of RAM to spare, and here by that, 16 gigabyte, even with this, this huge amount, ran into problems related to it. As you might already know, you can customize Firefox and the About Config page to use more RAM and access the disk less frequently or not at all in specific cases. It's a sort of compromise, use less disk but use more RAM. We discussed a bit and it happens that increasing the JavaScript memory limit from the default 28 megabyte to 4 gigabyte makes Firefox crash and unable to start and the same users that previously bragged about his 16 gigabyte of spared RAM had this issue then we ask how big is your swap and the answer was I don't have swap which explained a bit why this happened so lesson learned don't be too proud of your big RAM because browsers are gonna ruin them. If you want more info about blasting Firefox with your spared memory, uh, I'm gonna put a link in the show notes or the transcript, whichever you prefer, uh, with some relevant configuration to, to do this compromise between disk space and RAM, depending on whatever you, you want to optimize in, your, in Firefox. All in all, the, the story repeats itself with all the modern browsers whichever they are. Kids these days open tons of tabs and the browser eats up all the RAM and swap. The whole system becomes unresponsive. This goes for Chrome or Chromium, Firefox, Opera and all the WebKit-based browsers. Let's hope, that's the, let's hope that this sort of thing changes in the coming years because the trend these days makes it that we have to always have a browser open to do some work. In the Unix world, privacy is a big topic, and because our browsers are the windows to the internet most of the time, even if the internet isn't limited to the World Wide Web, we want it to be squeaky clean. Let's go into some ways our users protect themselves from nastiness. Ads. If I don't have an ad block, I'll cry. Okay. I set up a second box as a private DNS server using AdSoc. 
to block ads and keep my privacy. Those are important claims. The World Wide Web is getting sick of this culture of advertisements. It seems we have become the product of this machinery. We have no clue how this how to sustain an economy anymore on the internet. And this this all needs reshaping. This all needs rethinking of how the money flows and how to keep servers running. Firefox. Firefox has the big win on privacy issues because it comes with add-ons and Mozilla is known to be part of the Internet Defense League since its creation in 2012. It has a lot of background on privacy issues. It has the trust of users even though other browsers also do have add-ons which we'll discuss in a bit later. Let's list some useful add-ons that some users on our forums use on Firefox. The U-Matrix add-on, the U-Block Origin, HTTPS everywhere, everywhere, Request Policy. All those are sort of like whitelisting, blacklisting, and filtering what answers your browser or what is displayed or not. HTTPS everywhere is kind of slow, as in slow down the browsing. Not for me. Not for me either. Well... No script? How can you live with no script enabled? I don't use NoScript for all its features. Umatrix does most of NoScript features. I use NoScript to block other things such as XSS, cookies, XHR, etc. To block third parties, I use request policy. It's great. It uses a whitelist instead of a blacklist. Umatrix is kind of joined between request policy and NoScript, which has extra options to specify what type of component you want to block. Cool. Most sites uh, on most sites on most sites I only enable CSS and images to see the the bare page and load the the script manually. Same here. Some guys even went a step further. He takes the approach of segregation and isolation, splitting the concept of privacy into three groups. And I quote his page, which I link in the show notes. The three groups are trusted websites I trust, not to be evil, or my own websites. Websites I choose to use for web trick, WebRTC, for example, uh, to run freely plugins or that can access the mic or the camera. Second category, secure website. Uh, The the secure category. Uh, Websites, I normally think they are safe, but I don't really know and don't fully trust. Third category is the paranoid category. Websites, I know to be evil and just think probably might be malicious or just I want to reasonably be sure it's hard for them to trace me back and to know my identity. So check the show notes for those categories and the way he approaches this is is to build a sandbox browser using FireJail. And let's just go over the paranoid section. The paranoid version of it runs in jail with the different users with different permissions it will not access the sound or mic or camera at all it will only access the network through Tor and it will run on a separate networking namespace 
So it's a, it's a feature of the kernel, the namespacing. Uh, also, it will not share clipboard with the X11 session, so it will run in its own X11 session, as it will run on a completely separate session using something called XPRA. So it goes through a proxy and it, it has its own namespace, it's completely separate, which is good. Also, let's note that he, he saves the download to a temporary file system, so it's completely volatile. Nothing is left on his system. Chromium, Chrome. It gets a lot of hate, but why? I use DWB and a shitty Chromium. Uh, I use Chromium. Don't you disable Chromium botnet features? I like the botnet features. It adds flavor. Uh, don't care about being in a botnet every time I fire up Chromium. Pretty fast and pretty good, but it has the default botnet features enabled, which turns me down. I used Chromium once. I searched and found how to disable the tracking and instant searches. The Google trying to help you, end quote. Go to disable them, restart the browser. Now, everything is much slower. Related? I don't know. So, let's not go into the dark hole even more. We're a bit biased here. Maybe Chromium is tracking you, maybe it's not. Chromium and Chrome have their mischievous reputation because their default setting uh, leads to that, but it could be better. For example, one of our users does use Chromium, but compiles it himself using the Inox patched to add security features and a number of plugins to go along with it. He uses CVim, which is also a Vim like. Uh, a prompt instead of the URL bar. He uses Stylish, which is, which is also available on Firefox, Clear Cache, Edit This Cookie, Ublock Origin, G-Translate, and some Reddit enhancement suit. So yeah, like Firefox, it could be good if you disable the, the botnet features, or it might just be because of its reputation. And you know what reputation is all about. Let's dig into some little problems Unix users might face using their web browsers. First problem is about Flash. Flash has been tagged deprecated for some time now on every Unix distribution, Linux and BSD, whatever. So Adobe Flash Player 11.2 is the last version to target Linux. None of us seem really bothered by it. Flashless is good these days. Everything uses HTML5, making the web a better place. So, but, but there are places where it's a big issue, like on Netflix, which uh, only has support for only some stuff. I think it has a proprietary player. And that's the major complaint and the Unix Realm now, second issue is about hardware acceleration. It's a, it's a big pain on Unix. You usually have to link the drivers directly. You need to find the location on your drive, the, the library of it. I don't know how it goes. It leads to some slowdown with WebGL. 
to problems opening the camera, audio, etc. So stuff related to hardware, it's a pain. Now another issue is the HTML5 H264 codec. Now it isn't directly supported by Firefox because it's a non-free plugin that uh, only comes when you compile Firefox, Firefox using a flag enabling it. So you can check it and uh, about build config if it's enabled. And there's also an open version of the H264 plugin. And uh, I think it's it was disabled because it's a DRM codec which would enable some companies to 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 do some nasty stuff. Now, if you ha if you want to have it with the DRM that comes with it, you need to recompile Firefox, and that's a that's a that's an issue. But you can certainly make more use of your precious precious time. Maybe. It's enabled by default in uh, Google Chrome or something. You could get Google Chrome with the botnet with the H264 plugin. Let's conclude this podcast. Remember when the browser war was set to be over and everyone was happy that they can use the standard now? Well, it didn't happen. The evolution of web standards is going way too fast and many things require you to have a fully compliant browser and up-to-date. These browsers are a huge clog on the system and they're annoying. Let's hope in the future future it changes because our workflow is changing toward the web and everyone is getting more and more connected. So that was about it for the browsers. Let's discuss a bit of what, about what we did last week. Last week I reviewed the podcast about why we are here now. And the way I'm doing it is more dynamic than the usual podcast I'm recording. So I, I'd like to have feedbacks on that. If you prefer this way with a sort of interlude, intermission between the the little talks I give. If you prefer that to the non-stop talking, I'd like to know about this. Now, what did I personally do this week? Uh, I submitted my uh, ASCII art to a competition called EVO 2016. So I finished my compilation of Robot Army. And also I received some little bugs with 2BWM. And I fixed them, but I, I don't know. It was related to the syntax, the way it, we reshaped it, and then some other little bugs I found. No, so, some user found on IRC when you focus uh, uh, s some windows are iconified, and then you have no win no windows open on the workspace. Then you switch windows. Anyway, so I I, I fixed that this week, and I, I'm thinking of um, rechecking to BWM code. Uh, to review the whole code because uh, I just been wondering about EWMH and the way I was doing it into BWM was like I was doing it from scratch instead of doing of using the XCB EWMH functions which which would have helped by reducing the codes the code lines and uh, and making it more flexible maybe I don't know but uh, that's what uh, I was doing this week, thinking about that. I hope uh, you enjoyed this podcast, and uh, if you want to contribute, 
as usual, you can ask for your key on IRC and you use that key to go to podcast.mixers.net. You insert your key and then you can set your schedule to join me on the week after. You can comment on the extended thread on the on the forums. You can just say thanks. That's a, that would be a big uh, a big plus, a big push forward to know that we're going in the good direction with this podcast. Yeah. So yeah, that's about it. Have a wonderful week, everyone, and enjoy the internet and the World Wide Web. And it was Vina for the Mixers Podcast. <laughs>